We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back on the Yin Snowball podcast. I am John Ledyard. With me is Brad Spielberger, fresh off of his time at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Brad, you have caught up on sleep a little bit, right? How many hours did you get last night? Yeah, I slept from probably 10.30 to 10.30 last (laughs) night. So I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. But that's after staying up until four in the morning that before so it's, yeah, it's a good balance say. it's a good balance yeah <laughs> those indie nights are tough i saw arif Hassan was like yeah i was up till four 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 thirty to seven thirty i slept three nights in a row and then this past night he got like six and a half hours or something but that's that is it's crazy because it's like the funny thing i mean not for i don't know it tweets their own but like i'm not even like getting after drinking wise you're just like schmoozing and talking and like hanging out with people and you know i'm not gonna say them but there's like four bars that everyone goes to the entire yeah. time and right. uh but yeah it's just like introducing people to different people and, and making different connections like it's it is you know this is like me like just fine with my wife no like it, it is work like it is like oh you yeah still feel like there's like an impetus and like a push to like you know branch out and like, and like and like meet new people but it's you feel if you don't do it i feel like you just feel like you haven't gotten the full indie experience and like have left some you know meat on the, on the plate on the table so to speak but anyway it's then you gotta you gotta recover like i did last night <laughs> right right hundred percent. We heard some interesting things from Omar Khan too, when he was at the podium. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff today and then kind of, I guess we're going to talk about linebackers, but that was kind of one of the surprise takeaways from, from the podium with Omar Khan. It was just like his comments about the linebacker position and how much it seems like the team is, uh, is monitoring options there this off season. I don't know that I would say it was shocking, but I think that we just in general have assumed, okay, Cole Holcomb's going to be back and, um, and, uh, LA and Roberts will be back and they'll, you know, draft somebody like in the mid rounds or something like that. But like, they'll rely on those guys to start in it. Didn't necessarily sound like that from what Khan said. He said the inside linebacker position, we have a Landon Roberts under contract, Mark Robinson, Cole Holcomb had an awful injury. I don't really have a timetable when he'll be back. Juan Alexander is a free agent, but he also had a major injury with Achilles. So it's obviously a position that we have to address. I don't think the GMs usually are that forthright with what they're saying about a position unless they're serious about it. And I've been fooled before, but and obviously I come from working with, you know, get, getting Jason Lights, you know, where he's just will say, if he says they need a position like in his podium, like they're 100% going to address that position. Like he's not 
playing games. He's not like going to go out there and try and then not do it. Like it's going to be addressed. This is a draft or the Steelers draft 20th in the first round. And this is not expected to have any linebackers off the board in the top 20 picks that could change last year. That was said a lot. At, uh, was Jack Campbell the first? 19? Jack Campbell did kind of right. Kind of spike up late in the draft yeah. process. So yeah, he was 18th so overall was the first, happen. first yeah. backer. Yeah. That could happen again. Yeah. We'll see right now. There's not really any energy for that, but uh, I could see that changing. Um, yesterday linebackers ran, yeah, like Edron Cooper's picking up buzz right now, and we'll see. But we're gonna scout some of these guys, like the top guys, Junior Colson, Edron Cooper, um, who else? Peyton Wilson. Anybody else that I'm forgetting in that group? I think right? those are the big three, and then Cedric Gray at UNC. Some people like, uh, and Jeremiah Trotter at Clemson. Oh, Trotter, like yes, well. Trotter. Trotter is actually one that I think the Steelers could very well be interested in. But we're gonna talk about through four or five of those guys maybe next week when we do linebackers take a look at them over the weekend because i just have not gone to their film yet i was as maybe a little bit poor planning by me although i'm glad we haven't done our linebacker preview offseason outlook yet because now we have we'll have a lot more to focus on because i would bet based on con's comments that one of the steelers first two picks is going to be a linebacker just based on how he's talked about it plus given yeah free agency the position it's possible they go that route uh, he didn't seem to mention that i think as much he'd mentioned i think that linebacker was a solid position group in this upcoming draft which is pretty interesting i think i don't know how many people would agree with that but that seems to be one of the focuses right now for the steelers offseason yeah no that is interesting i agree with you i think you know obviously every gm is different but i think when they tip just like a position you know, they're not going to say, yeah, we're going to use an early pick on it or we're going to spend on it. But just, yeah, we, we feel that that is a position we need to get better or replace certain players. Obviously, you know, the Cole Holcomb injury, it sounds like, is is pretty serious. So I, I think it's definitely not a throwaway line by any means. Um, and it is good in free agency if they do want to go that route, maybe go both, um, you know, because it does seem like consensus wise, there isn't a lot of love for the linebackers. So I, I could see them also addressing it in March. But yeah, at, at a larger level, like I don't think. You know, I, I don't think we actually were joking this week in Indy that the the best thing a GM could do now is just tell the total truth because everyone just like thinks everything's smoke and mirrors and and misdirection. There's a billion different rumors from these fake aggregate accounts that make things up and stuff like just be like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm going to do. would get like lost in the shuffle anyway. Like it wouldn't even <laughs> it wouldn't even get traction anymore in our insane NFL media landscape. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's so true, man. I mean, it, the, it, all these events get way worse every time because the player says something at the podium or GM says something, and then the aggregate accounts take it and twist it into something and then uh, on Twitter, and then the aggregate uh, websites take it and write a story on that, which it just was a false premise to begin with, or it was distorted premise at the very least. So going right to the quotes here, though, for a lot of these things, Omar Khan, this was actually, I apologize, not at the podium, in an interview with Steelers.com's Max Starks, former Steelers tackle, Khan was asked about what the strength of the current draft class is, and this was his response. This is very interesting to me. Running backs is a good group. The inside linebackers, there's some good edge rushers. It's a good group, and I'm really looking forward to getting to continue to know these guys. That's the quote from Khan. I don't think – I think everybody has said those are the three position groups that are like probably least – uh, loaded in this class, like definitely up there. I mean, safety's been up there for a couple of years now, I feel like, but people are kind of bullish on the wide receiver group, bullish on the corner group, bullish on the quarterbacks. Now, I guess tight end's another one that, that would be pretty big. bullish on the tackles. There's always interior offensive linemen, but he instead piloted those three groups. I actually think the edge class is very interesting. Uh, it's not like there's no cream of the crop high-end guys, so maybe he is thinking about more in our range. Um, Steelers are probably not going to draft an edge anyway or a running back, but uh, high at least, but it was interesting that he shout out those position groups. And then if you read between the lines, back to what I was just saying, like, okay, if those are the three position groups, he believes are strength, which interesting. And he doesn't believe the running backs are, are like, is a position the Steelers need. And he doesn't, an edge defender is not really a position you'd say they would need, like with one of their first couple picks with Highsmith Watt under contract. Herbig's has a couple more years on that deal. He looks like he can be the number three guy. You can fill in that four spot pretty easily in free agency. So it kind of make everything kind of points to inside linebackers where the Steelers, according to SteelersDepot.com, they had formal interviews with Edron Cooper and Junior Colson, uh, Texas A&M, Edron Cooper and Michigan's Junior Colson. Um, and so that those are two guys. And then I think I saw somebody say they met with Trotter too, but usually when they start meeting with some of those guys at that position, they meet with all the top guys, like at that position, they're not going to like leave a stone unturned in that. So we can assume they met with all those guys and definitely seem like they're going to try and address that position group. Even if Holcomb comes back for cheap and is able to play this year, which seems like it's pretty up in the air. Unfortunately, it seems like the Steelers are definitely looking for perhaps a free agent and a rookie uh, to be honest. Yeah, my takeaway now that you went through the whole thing there is that like he may have conflated like deep with talented or good, and they might have their eye on some players that they like at those spots because there's not a soul that thinks that like you said. I mean, like there's some like interesting edge players, but like you said, there's no stud. Like I wouldn't be shocked if we don't get a top ten player uh, on defense. Period. Um, I think Dallas Turner's testing maybe maybe boosted up a little bit from from Alabama, but anyway, that's not my takeaways. It's like. Look, no one's gonna know who was on our board in the fourth, fifth round at at running back, and um, you know, 
but yeah, an inside linebacker maybe a little bit earlier, like you said, because it seems like more of a priority. But I also saw Nick Faribault tweeted out, because we just had our third receiver pod, uh, that they met with Jalen McMillan from Washington, who's a big slot that I love, uh, Texas wide receiver A.D. Mitchell, who's kind of your like physical outside receiver, who I also am a fan of, uh, and then Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin, who's kind of the skinnier but good separator, um, fast for sure. So anyway, those are three, I think, top 75 draft picks. Um, but I, I don't know. I think Troy Franklin maybe goes first round. I don't know. All three guys I think will be on the board at 20, no question, and maybe one or two of them even on the board at 52. So thought that was interesting as well. It is interesting because they talked about the future with Deontay Johnson a little bit. Con said, as of right now, we're having convert. And then he stopped. He cut the word in half. <laughs> and he said, I'm not going to speak to specific negotiations for an individual player, but I have a lot of respect for Deontay. Usually, as you guys know, the extensions happen later on in the year. Basically, he said that they've had conversations with Deontay Johnson about an extension. Deontay Johnson, 27. There's been injuries. There's been inconsistency. There's also been great production at times when he's gotten even halfway decent quarterback play. His price tag probably is pushed down, to be honest, by the lack of opportunities in such a, a tremendous offense with subpar quarterback play over the last couple of years that the Steelers, if they could resign him now, they could capitalize maybe here before, you know, if they assume the offense is going to be better. Like it's always possible that Johnson could have another explode for another big year because he is that talented. However, there's just been such incompetence around him that it's been hard. And he, honestly, he hasn't always maximized his opportunities too. Like he's made his mistakes and inconsistencies as well. So very difficult player to evaluate. Probably one of the most difficult, not to evaluate, I guess, to evaluate maybe I should say like, wow, how much value is there in what Deontay Johnson gives you given that you know you can bake in like a mistake or two a game, you know, with him as well. Um, but then there's also the high end stuff. So difficult player to find a right value for a number on um, because any given week he could be a, he could look like a top five player in the league. And then another week he could be a total, total non-factor. Um, so I think the Steelers have their work cut off for him there, especially with getting Deontay to continue to agree to come back to what's been such a horrendous offensive experience for him where he could go somewhere like Kansas city or I don't know, you fill the blank, but could be a lot of other better spots for him, but that's interesting part of it. And then as well as what you're saying, if they can't or don't feel like they're making progress there, I would not be surprised if this one of this team's top three picks is on a wide receiver again, because that seems to be a position they obviously value. They never want to be short at. And the guys that they're talking to, I mean, no doubt that even if, even if it isn't, even if they do feel like they can bring back Johnson, they perhaps they want a third guy there. And perhaps that is an indication Arthur Smith is going to change some of his ways from what it looked like in Atlanta when he didn't even have a competent number two receiver, let alone a number three. Yeah, no, the, the, the Deontay thing I think plays into Pittsburgh's favor with the timing. I honestly think they kind of, maybe they read the market well and did a good job of, they knew they couldn't find common ground on a you know four or five year deal, went short term. And we're just continuing to, continuing to see the mid market guys get pinched. Like I don't, wouldn't be surprised if Michael Pittman, I think he's going to get tagged first, but if Indy drives an extremely hard bargain there and you know, Mike Evans maybe gets a good deal because he's Mike Evans, but like conversations I had this week about like Gabe Davis, Marquise Brown, Darnell Mooney, like it's not bullish on any of the, and again, Deontay is better than all three of those players, but, and the big thing is they see the rise for the top guys and Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb are, I mean, Jefferson's probably going to get like, I don't know, 32 and a half, 33 million a year. I think CD probably slides in at 30 plus. Um, Yeah, if I had to guess right now. Yeah. And so, you know, the the what the, the reaction is, if you're not quite in that echelon, like we talk about this a lot with like, you know, contract stuff. It's not gradual. It's not like, 
hey, if you're 80% of Justin Jefferson, he's getting 30, then you're getting whatever 80% of 30 is, which I could do if I wasn't fog-brained. Um, it's not that's not how it works. It's like, okay, we're going to go Justin Jefferson, and then we're going to go cheap, or we're going to go rookie, because there's, there's so many good rookies every year, it seems like. So, like, I, I would think that the negotiation plays in his favor. If, if Deontay wanted to say, well, I'll just hit the market, yeah, you'll be 29 years old. It'll be two off seasons in a row where like no free agent receiver does very well unless they're a Mike Evans. So I think we'll do fairly well, but otherwise I don't think anyone does well. I just think it play. I think it plays into Pittsburgh's favor. Maybe they can do both like, you know, another short-term deal, but still prepare yourself for the eventual departure um, and, and bring in a wide receiver three. Hmm. Yeah. We might have to revisit the wide receiver conversation in a future episode just to make sure we have all our bases covered, but it does seem like it is going to be more of a priority to make sure that group is, is a little more stacked and it, it, who could blame them after the the way that the, this past season went with absolutely just nothing from the wide receiver three position for most of the year. That brings us back to the, the roster, the current roster just for a second. We talked about Patrick Peterson a little bit, but, and we've kind of stayed up to date on some of these moves as the Steelers have made them and gotten out from under contract money. Most recently, Mason Cole, we touched on and just made, I think we briefly mentioned Patrick Peterson. So apologies if we're going back over some information, but what do you make of the fact Patrick Peterson's still here, Allen Robinson, right? Still on the roster. Is there another, Oh, and, and we talked a little bit about Ogan Joby on the D tackles one, but so let's just assume Ogan Joby. There's a little more left in the tank there. Perhaps they actually do want to keep him around. That one makes sense. Allen Robinson and Patrick Peterson feel like there's like, no way they'll be on this roster slash no way they'll play at the at the rate that they're currently at uh, right now and without taking a significant pay cut. Do you still see it that way? Yeah, particularly Robinson. It's like it's a similar situation to a bunch of or we just saw Kevin Byard get cut by the Eagles. Like mm-hmm. they just traded for the player, didn't adjust the later year. You're not paying a $10 million salary to Allen Robinson. Like it's just not happening. So but I do get the sense that I think both parties want to work something out. He's from the Pennsylvania I know he's a great, I've mentioned before, great dude, good locker room guy, all that stuff probably brings a stability to dealing with Deontay and, uh, <laughs> and George that, that is nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm guessing that's more usually the longer ones when they take a while, they're negotiating through a new deal, they're a pay cut effectively. Um, and I guess maybe the same would apply to Pat Pete, same thing. Hey, you know, it, it, maybe you don't have a full-time role anymore, but you're a veteran leader that we think is an important piece of the locker room, whatever. But also, I'm not paying him 6.85 mil either. So, yeah, I would say there's a close to 0% chance either guy is back on the current money. But I think it's probably a decent chance they're both back on a revised deal with with, with a heavy pay cut. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I can't see – what's Pat Pete? Did you say what's his – again? He's owed 6.85 mil, but he has more of a, like, deadline to get something done because he has a roster, a $3 million roster bonus due – the third day of the league year. So like Mark, like two weeks from now he is a $3 million uh-huh. roster bonus and he's not even worth $3 million for the whole season. So, right. um, you know, like that one's got, something has got to give there and I could see him maybe thinking he can do better elsewhere. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the, the Robinson one, I get the sense of they're kind of working through it right now. It's a salary. That's all the money is. So in theory, you know, they, they just got to figure something out before the season begins I, I think I think he's gonna be back on a on a revised. And maybe you you add a year so it's an extension. Um, you give him a little bit of guarantees, but you go from paying him ten mil like way down to like three mil. Yeah, I mean that seems to make more sense to me. I mean I don't think either of them have a place on the upcoming roster. To be honest, I would just move on from both and be done with it. Um, play the cap space and because how much do you get from both of them combined in space? 
Yeah, you'd clear 10, I think 10 for A-Rob and six, the 6.85 for Pat Pete. So they're like 8 million right now, and you're, you're tripling that, you know, if you yeah. move on from two players that, yeah, were, were not particularly effective this past year. Right. It just seems like a complete no-brainer. Pat Pete's even indicated on in his podcast, I know some that he's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be back to Pittsburgh. Like, he's like, I'd love to finish my career as a Steeler, but uh, and it's a business. And, like, you know, he kind of knows, like, I'm making too much money and stuff. Uh, Ray Fittipaldo, who covers the Steelers, uh, did tweet – couple days ago that he would be very surprised if Patrick Peterson's still on the roster in two weeks uh, at his current rate at least and so yeah no that, that one is a deadline that one has to happen in the next you know two weeks right hey Rob I guess we'll wait and see but you like you said there's no way that that's uh that's happening okay uh should we talk quarterback are you ready for this conversation let's do it okay based on what we hear at the combine based on what we see the Steelers are as many People on the ground there have reported it sounds like they haven't met really formally with any of the top quarterbacks in this year's draft. Not a huge surprise there. I think you and I have kind of surmised and chatted about this, and we'll probably go into more detail later on in the process. But there's a pretty good chance four quarterbacks come off the board very early in this draft, like early enough that the Steelers couldn't even probably jump up for one in this class. And if that's the case, like, I don't know. And I said this to you the other day when we talked quarterbacks on here, we did a whole quarterback odd on here a couple weeks ago that I didn't think the Steelers would have any interest in a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix. So if McCarthy's off the board and Drake May's off the board and Daniels for sure off the board, and obviously Caleb Williams, there's, there's, I don't know that anybody they take high in the draft, like would they take one later? Maybe like they'll probably do their due diligence. I think on those guys, they'll leave the door open, but it doesn't look like the draft is going to be like that's going to be a priority for them in this year's draft, um, which I'm not necessarily upset about. Like I would, if they were higher, I would be upset about it, but they're not, and that's part of the problem with being in purgatory the way the Steelers are. But uh, I digress. Um, it doesn't seem like there is much activity on these free agent quarterbacks right now. Uh, a couple reports, oh, I can't remember who it was, just said was reporting Justin Fields' market has been slimmer than expected. I don't, I mean, I don't know if it was with you or with Ollie, but I said, I think I know it was with Ollie on the NFC North pod we did the other day where I, on Audibles and Analytics where I said, I think there'll be two or three teams. I think Atlanta, possible. Pittsburgh, possible. And maybe one other team could be in the mix. The Broncos, the Raiders, like maybe. But even that, I didn't feel like was had a high likelihood of being, being the case. So, it, it's not that there aren't teams that need quarterbacks. It's just like a belief in Justin Fields, B the timeline right now for a lot of these teams, like teams like the Raiders and the Patriots. Like, what's the point? We're not good. Like we're worse than the bears right now. Like, so like, you know, how are we going to like maximize him before his contracts up, you know, with only him only having one year and then the fifth year option. So that's part of the trickiness of the fit. I think is that um, knowing you'll have to pay him the fifth year option when you might want to go out of the route, if you trade for him, also, the Bears probably want a late first or a second, you know, form or something like that. Can they get that form? So it feels like the quarterback options that we once thought were there are drying up. Now the Steelers could still be in on fields, but maybe the asking price will be a little bit less than we originally anticipated if they go that route. No, I think it's playing into their hands. So uh, we definitely talked about it too, because obviously there's been all the, the fields and Steelers buzz. I never believed the reports that they were going to be able to get a late first. I, yeah. Even I was saying like a second, I think was possible, but I wouldn't be shocked if they can't even get an, a, a true 2024 second round pick. Like maybe the premier pick in the trade is a 2025 conditional three that could be a two if he plays 70% of snaps or whatever. And yeah, because I just kept doing process of elimination. Like you mentioned Raiders. Luke Getzi's not trading for Justin Fields. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. So like you just keep going down the list. And I think it is essentially 
Pittsburgh and Atlanta, but I think Atlanta is going to sign Kirk Cousins. So we'll get it. We can get that a little bit, but I don't know about where he's going. I can tell you like the sense I got in, in, uh, Indy was that he's not going to be a Viking. So, um, that takes a spot away for, I mean, I guess it opens a spot in Minnesota, but anyway, Seattle's the one where I'm starting to have a little like conspiracy theory on just like, hmm. is there the kind of a sleeper trade? I guess they would have like the 48th pick, but even maybe not have to do that. I really do think it might be a third this year that is the best pick. Trade for him, bring him in, have him be the backup to Geno Smith because uh, Drew Locke is a free agent. He's exciting. He's He's got upside. And just continue to do your like QB rehab thing in Seattle. Um, so they, they just the messaging around Geno Smith has been bizarre. But anyway, yeah, I think if Pittsburgh wants to do it, like I think that, that it's, it's playing to their favor that they could probably hold on to 52 and still get Justin Fields if I had to guess as of today. So – Hmm. I'll, the only thing I'll throw into, uh, yeah, there's going to be four, I think four quarterbacks go top six. So they're not getting any of those guys. Um, Omar Khan, you know, Tulane grad, Michael Pratt, heard heard some good things about him this week. I'm obviously a big Michael Pratt guy. Maybe he's there in the third and, and, and you take him in the Mason Rudolph range. Um, but yeah, I heard a lot of good things about him all week. Interviewed well, on the good on the whiteboard, uh, and teams are a fan of his. So I think he'll be in that like classic, you know, mid to late third range. And it feels like the Steelers, just looking at what they've said, is we'd like to bring Mason Rudolph back. Kenny Pickett, we have a lot of belief in. Omar Khan was all over that, doing his whole song and dance. We believe in Kenny Pickett. Don't worry. Like, well, you didn't even start him over Mason Rudolph last year after his best game of his career. So I don't know what to say. Um, but it was, it was, it was definitely some, you know, we've got to control the narrative, control what's going on in our own house. You know, we've got to keep Kenny Pickett believing here. We got to keep him happy here. We don't even have a better option right now. Mason's not even under contract, so we can't even play that card. Like we literally just have Kenny right now. Like they, that's all I have. And so they have to like say these things in some ways. Like, so I don't read too much into it, that particular part of it, which is why I led with these other factors that make me think they're not going down the quarterback route. I definitely think they're going to sign somebody, even if they bring back Mason, I think, honestly, I mean, technically they have to, but I think they'll sign somebody for real. Mike Garofalo, and I, I may be totally, I, I know this part is right, but he said he, Mason K- Rudolphs can't believe that all have other suitors. There may have been more to that report um, that I didn't get to see, um, but I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, wh- who is going to give him a better shot than beating out the guy he already kind of beat out, like, for a, to, to play to start? I don't, is there another team out there that will maybe? possibly with like the Raiders or Patriots or one of these situations, but it it doesn't seem that likely to me that they're going to want to believe in Mason or anything like that. I don't know. That was another takeaway for me this week was we know last year was the year of the backup quarterback, like, I don't know, 40 something quarterback started games, but all of the people that represent all of the backup quarterbacks are all bullish on their market. And that's just not how the musical chairs works. So yeah. Like, well, can someone else maybe be interested to bring them as a backup? Um, yeah, would it be a price that is like astronomically higher than what Pittsburgh offers? I doubt it. Um, you know, he in today's NFL, Memphis is always like, you know, he has some made some plays, but he's a statue. Like it's just like he doesn't even offer the potential exciting upside of hey, this guy's been stuck behind other quarterbacks, and we bring him in. Like maybe he could show us something he's never shown. Like it's just we know we know who Mason Rudolph is at this point. Right. There's not an upside here for Mason Rudolph. You know, like there isn't a 
something to aspire to. Like if you're a team, you're like taking him to be your stopgap guy. And maybe that that's a possibility for one of these teams. Maybe I shouldn't be so derisive about it, but it just, it feels like coming back to Pittsburgh could be the best move for him. But let's just say that it isn't Garofalo thing is real, but I'm sure it's to drive up um, the price for Rudolph, if anything. But I do think that like, if you bring back Pickett and Rudolph as your top two guys, you have to like that, that makes me think more that they've communicated at least to them, whether they honor that or not, we'll see, but they've communicated to them. You guys are going to compete to be able to start here. Like if you bring in Tannehill on top of that group, okay. Like now somebody's going to be a third string out of these guys. And if Kenny Pickett's your third stringer, I'm not sure what you're doing as a franchise because he's lost any value that he could potentially hold to you at that point. So, and maybe that's just out there comfortable going down, but that was where I'd get it get interested in me. But how, th- now I'm not going to pretend like the Steelers are flush with QB options this offseason. Where they draft, and the, the mistakes have come before this, I believe, but they've put them in this situation. We're now moving forward this offseason. It's hard to find like a great path for them. Where they draft doesn't seem to be an option. Although I like Kirk Cousins, I don't know how realistic that is. It sounds like Minnesota's pretty serious about bringing him back, and it sounds like he's pretty serious about perhaps returning there. I mean, he's always driving a hard bargain with his contracts too. So I don't know if I necessarily want to go down that road if I'm in Pittsburgh right now, given their window. A younger guy like Justin Fields, if you get him for a third, I would do that. Like I would probably take that chance, to be honest with you. I, it's just the most upside option of the offseason. Yep. No interest in Russell Wilson. He doesn't do anything for me. A guy that does not play within structure or within the scheme with Arthur Smith, a very <laughs> schemed quarter. Like That sounds like a terrible marriage in yeah. my opinion. Um, so I'd be out on that. So what are the other, what are the better options, Brad? Like, I don't know. I mean, then we get into the Tannehill types and what's the ceiling with that? It's so they're in a hard place for sure, but my gosh, it would be so disappointing to come back to a room. That's Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett and some Joe Schmo that we've never like, that just feels like they're accepting a fate that none of us want to sit through that again for a year. I I doubt it. I really do. And the fields thing I agree is the most just like, where because of all the context of where they're at is probably the best option available. The interesting mm-hmm. dynamic there is, and why I think the trade compensation also needs to come down. Do they exercise a twenty-five million fully guaranteed fifth-year option for twenty twenty-five? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like when you make a trade like that, if you're giving up a second, like you do it. Um, you know, it happened for Darnold. It's happened for other guys, but. With where they're sitting at, first of all, if you do that, then it's like, okay, like you better start him. Like you're not gonna do that and then be like, oh, he's in a battle with Kenny Pickett. Like, no, you just committed 25 fully guaranteed dollar, 25 million. So he's a starter. So if they decline it and say, well, you know what, we're gonna have him for a year, see if he can be a you know long term option. We'll figure it out from there. Then the, the trade comp needs to be cheaper. I think for a third, a team would do that and just say, let him come into the building, see what he can prove to us. Um, probably still probably play games or kind of be pushed to play some time and see what you have there but yeah otherwise you're taking a, a later round draft prospect it's just kirk kirk to me it sounds like i think it's gonna be atlanta or denver uh if not minnesota and um and, you know it might be maybe there's wild cards there i just i don't think pittsburgh is the wild card mm-hmm. yeah that's i don't either and then the options become pretty limited at that point like if you're looking for actual upgrades and there's just not trade. I mean, we've had a lot of last off seasons that have spoiled us in terms of Rogers getting moved and Stafford getting moved and um, Brady wasn't moved, but became a free agent. And, you know, so it was like, Oh, big names, like guys that can actually change the fortunes of your franchise. Two of those guys won super bowls. And so like, it was like, Oh man, there's that kind of buzz around it. We just don't have that this off season. And that's not Pittsburgh's fault, putting themselves in the position they've been in. You could say that's Pittsburgh's fault, but 
being there right now and trying to figure out how to move forward and not having good options. Like at some ways you're at the mercy of what's available each off season. And it just doesn't feel like there's much available. So that's why I'd be hesitant to give up a high end asset. But if you're giving up a third for Justin Fields and the market's as small as it sounds like it is, and the bears are just like, we don't want to deal with the mess of having fields in here and a Caleb Williams who we bring in and the friction that that could create. And we already have DJ Moore saying like, Oh, I want Justin Fields to be the guy. So if we bring Caleb Williams in, that's awkward as heck between our number one wide out and the backup quarterback now. And, you know, I could see that Ollie and I talked about this yesterday too, though. I mean, there is definitely an argument if you're the bears that the best way to value to maximize your assets and Justin Fields looking at him from a business perspective as an asset, like, their best way to maximize him may be to hold out for a team becoming more desperate or to just give yourself two bites of the apple quarterback. Let's say Caleb Williams sucks like early on and he needs to sit for a year and fields is ready to continue this, this mini progression that he's had. Like you could be competent. Like I would be more inclined to this if fields were like older and still good, you know, like a Alex Smith situation in Kansas city when that was like, Oh, he could bridge for us or something like that. Um, And we can still be like a competitive team this upcoming year, but we're not, quite there with fields where he's like as reliable enough to like know what your, what your floor is going to be really high with him or whatever. So I see that argument. All he's made that argument. He he's makes it quite convincingly. I understand the asset management there and just quarterback position being so valuable, having two guys that could potentially be the answer that aren't making very much money is definitely really valuable. However, so our draft picks, if you only get a third for him though, honestly, if I were Chicago, I might keep them, but it doesn't sound like they're going to want to do that based on some of the reporting out there sounds like they're going to want to split with him and so maybe pittsburgh will be lucky enough to get in on that and still be able to keep their top two picks yeah no they can't they they probably would like to but they just can't um and i do you know the bears fan in me i'm at this point fairly convinced they're just going to take caleb i think the trade stuff's going to kind of die down a little bit uh for the Mm -hmm. pick itself um and i think fields will see get moved in the next you know two weeks as well so it is a a great way in theory to, to manage assets like yeah quarterbacks are always like they're a commodity. Like they, they don't really depreciate unless it's really, really bad. Josh Rosen got traded for a second and a fifth and had like the worst tape I've ever seen, but you know, in the NFL. So yeah. you, you don't you don't lose value. If, if someone thinks you can, yeah, we can fix that guy, we can get more out of him, etc. Um, it's just the unfortunate dynamic of yeah, the, the locker room would be a nightmare. Like that Fields is the most beloved guy in the building. I mean, they'll tell you that. So yeah, uh, it's I think it, Pittsburgh is, is in a decent spot. Like I know Atlanta, the massive like odds change because of some video of Justin Fields dancing about going home or something. I didn't even watch the video. I, I didn't even tap into that. But that was going on when, I, when we were in Indy too. I just I don't know. I don't know if Atlanta. I think Atlanta is trying to move up from eight pretty aggressively uh, and go get a rookie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's going to be one of the fascinating storylines of the draft is whether Atlanta is going to be able to move and how much they're going to be able to, how much it's going to cost them to move if they do, given the quarterback climate and how many teams at the top need one. The first three teams, you know, like, I mean, it's yep. where's it? Where's it? Arizona's fourth, right? Arizona's fourth. Yep. They're just uh, sitting pretty right now. They're not going to want to move either, though, because they can get Marvin Harrison. 
Yeah, no, I know. I think New England is the team to watch in the top three, uh, mm-hmm. as maybe they think we're just so. I, I know you can argue both sides of this one too, but like we're so far away, our roster is horrendous. Should we just move back, get an absolute haul, and prepare for you know build up the roster and then go from there? But then Chargers at five. I heard this week they they would certainly be open to moving down. I could see Harbaugh not wanting to, but I, I think the rest of the building probably does. And then Giants, and there's been a lot of smoke of Giants and quarterback, but I think they also could move down. So I think you get one, two, four, sure. And then I think three, five, six could become, you know, Atlanta, Minnesota at 11 if they move on from Kirk, and then, you know, Las Vegas at 13. Like that's the, those connections are what, are what I'm looking for. Really hard if you're the Chargers and you got to shout for Harrison or neighbors to pass on those guys, just given the fact that pairing them with Field or with Herbert. Long term would just be <laughs> unbelievable, but I know we could, know. you know, we could talk more about the top of the draft in a, in a show next week if we want. Like now that when the dust settles from all the combine workouts and stuff that we're still in the midst of, but yeah, I thought the quarterback stuff, the dialogue on that was fascinating. Um, given where Omar Khan's communicating from, which I'm not necessarily like shocked by anything that he's saying there, you know, it all makes sense, but. Just yeah, it doesn't. The more that the the we kind of read between the lines with the, how the off is progressing, it doesn't seem like there's going to be surprise QB options available. It doesn't seem like there's going to be draft. Some of these quarterbacks that are going to be drafted are going to be sliding down the board this year, like in some other years, perhaps. It just feels like the Steelers are kind of in some ways stuck with at least Kenny and maybe Mason as well. And that doesn't mean you can't make any moves, but the moves they can make other than fields. He's the, the one move that could actually change the fortunes of the group. Cause a Tannehill or somebody like that, I think they're, they could be better. They could have a bounce back year. That's possible, but they don't raise the ceiling of this team to anything significant and fields may not either, but he gives you a chance. Like at a guy that actually has literally, as we've watched him get better for three straight years, it's still, it's been marginal. I think he was a disaster as a rookie for the most part, but it's been marginal, but like it, it has happened. Like there has been some level of improvement um, I don't think that his South play currently is sustainable to long-term success at the position, but I would be excited to see him in perhaps a more competent situation. Although he and Arthur Smith is also fascinating. I don't know. I, don't. I know it really is. It really is. There are no good options. Like exactly. The yeah, Steelers are not going to get significantly better this off season at the game's most important position. Almost certainly their best shots at that are fields getting it coming in and, playing even better and Kenny Pickett taking another leap that we didn't with new, with new coaching, you know, those are their best two options. And so I would get both of those options. If you can do it for a pick that doesn't and just have, give yourself the best two bites of the apple. You can this off season, get Mason Rudolph out of there, put, bring some true third stringer in, uh, in into that role and let those two battle it out. And if you suck, great. You pick high. If you, if one of them overachieves and you're better, awesome. Like more than likely you end up in between somewhere and they stay where they've been. <laughs> but that is why so much of my offseason philosophy about the Steelers is how can they take the rest of their roster and make it awesome? The offensive line, this defense, specifically the secondary, if they want to draft a linebacker, a linebacker, how can they do those things? Because to me, that almost is where the offseason really was won or lost. Because what happened to the quarterback is probably not going to significantly move the needle for the team this offseason. But what happens with the rest of the roster could determine next year a great a quarterback stepping into a great situation or or isn't, you know, because at some point one of these guys has to come free and they've got to be able to be what the top of the list of teams making a move. Right, right. Where they like you talked about earlier, the like the the Stafford or whoever you know, that type of thing materializes and Pittsburgh is a very attractive uh, the rest of the team's good, good organization, you know, coach a lot of people want to play for. 
like a veteran pushing his way there, it would make some sense for sure. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's not a lot of great options. That's that's kind of how quarterback works. If it was easy, then you know the whole league would be different. Um, linebacker thing is, I think, just to circle back to is is very interesting. Like I, I think they could, even before the draft, add a mid tier, lower mid tier player. Um, for me, I'm thinking of like more similar to Cole Holcomb then, as opposed to Landon Roberts is kind of a thumper, like a. Josie Jewell in Denver, Blake Cashman in Houston, or or uh, Willie Gay in Kansas City, who kind of was the the QB spy and and coverage backer at times this year. Like th- those names to me stick out as guys that would be members of a rotation, kind of good lateral athletes that that could play off of Landon Roberts. Um, yeah, I don't know Omar. Omar, we'll see. It'll be interesting in hindsight. We should we should like make a note of this and then see how if he was just just throwing nonsense out there, if he was just telling us what he was gonna do. Yeah, I do wonder that at times. Like we, like I said, the uh, last year we don't have like a great enough feel for Omar to know like exactly how he communicates yet with the media. Um, but I think some of this stuff was was probably pretty telling. He didn't mention, or he didn't say what their plans were with Najee Harris in the fifth year option. I think you and I would both expect that to get picked up at six six mil or something like that. It, you don't draft him in the first round and you're not prepared. He's not like he's disappointed so massively. So you better be prepared to pick up the fifth year option. If you draft a running back in the first round, at least somewhat try to maximize uh, what would a, a bad value selection, I guess. But although maybe it's, is it worse value if you double down on it by paying him six mil? I don't know. It's, it's, I don't yeah, think six, so. 6.8 mil is fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I think you got to do it. If, and, and I'm sure they will. So, but they have until May, May 2nd, I believe to make that decision right yeah, after yeah, the draft. May 2nd. So. Yep. After the draft. So, yep. So I think uh, they'll probably wait uh, to do that. He wasn't given anything away early but yeah those were come some of the main takeaways with con it continues to be we'll continue to keep talking about quarterback as the things come up throughout the offseason but just unfortunately i expect to be a little bit underwhelmed and that's not totally the Steelers fault like i said like it's just is the way that it is this offseason you hope that future years they can catch a break somewhere or five the ammunition to trade up in the draft you know that is preparing themselves to be able to do that Honestly, could be a part of the storyline even this year if they're if they have opportunity to move down the draft or things like that. Could you get future picks? Can you do something to set yourself up well for the future? Could you move somebody on the roster? We're not there yet, but could we talk about that down the road um, to try and give yourself a chance at doing something here? Because they need to be able to position themselves to not be stuck in the middle of this thing every single year. And I by the middle of this thing, I mean the middle of the standings, the middle of the conference, the middle of the playoffs, like you know, the middle of all this. Like they're just the middle of the draft like it's just they're they're that team right now and they need a better quarterback to find their way out of that and they or they need to to honestly to yeah to sell a lot of assets off if they want to get to the top of the draft like that's just where the outlook is right now they are in a a weird spot for sure and it might just happen naturally and organically where just some of the players that are the cornerstones mostly defense just age out of like it's like okay either they are bad to become good or they tri- make some big move to become good at quarterback or it's like they kind of twiddle their thumbs and then cam retires and then tj is not quite a game wrecker he's just a very good player but not you know and then it's like i don't know then you're kind of forced into into a different situation so yeah it's yeah. it's kind of it's a bit of a purgatory um where they're at right now but and they can get out of it it's just it's going to take some creativity and, and probably some aggressiveness at some point yeah i mean it is unfortunate but they are kind of stuck and that's in in this window of Hayward and Watts career that's it is unfortunate that that they're in that spot but hopefully the a miracle happens and they find a way <laughs> they somehow get their you know the great white buffalo and find a quarterback that can turn this team around in some to some degree 
uh, would be nice. Maybe that guy's picking another year with Arthur Smith. We will see. Uh, it's certainly worth investigating that and keeping around to find that out. And we'll see bringing in fields, I think would still allow that to be like, you could say, Oh, this is a competition between these two guys. And you know, people are going to say fields has been better, but I don't think it's like totally crazy that that could be considered a competition. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. You probably, he'd probably have the inside track, but you could right. definitely pitch it as that. It wouldn't be like the, you know, the Kyle Trask Baker Mayfield to me last to, thing to me last off season was like, all right, it's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it certainly feels that way now, at least. Uh, last thing I want to mention before we get out of here, the Broderick Jones dialogue continues to be so weird. Omar Khan saying we are going to move him to left tackle eventually. And it may not be this year. So they're going to give this guy another year at the position. He's not going to play long-term, not getting reps on the side. He's going to be most comfortable on that. He's been most comfortable on that. He's already said he prefers to play. He's literally just straight up said it guy you trade up for in the first round to be able to be a franchise left tackle. And like, you're not even going to, you because of Dan Moore, because of a, the one of the worst tackles in the league. They can, I know we've done this get. before, Brad, but this just blows my mind. That's what I don't get. Is a, what a what is the value of a guy that you view as a left tackle who views himself as a left tackle of playing him with the right side? Like you could make an argument. I, I don't know. Like I, I don't get that. And then it's like, yeah, I just I it just it, it's weird. It's weird. Maybe they're trying to make a move at right tackle, go out and sign someone or or draft someone they view as a right, and then kick him back over. It just, yeah, I just don't, because of who they have in the roster and everything, I don't see why you would just be like, yeah, you know what? That last year it made sense. He was a rookie, yada, yada, yada. This offseason, he's training at left tackle. He's becoming the left tackle. Dan Moore is going to train to be a right tackle, and we'll figure it out from there. Or Dan Moore becomes your swing guy, and you draft a right tackle or something like that. And maybe, we'll see. All this could be just Omar talking, and then they fully plan to move him to left tackle this year. And there's no way they're doing that again. And like Dan Moore gets moved to the bench and they draft a right tackle. Some people have, Marius Mims has been a common stealer draft pick. I think he's one of their top, most often projected players that they draft in the first round to tackle. That's a possibility. Uh, it does add, it does change our list of needs and we haven't done tackle yet either. So I'm excited for next week to probably get covered linebacker and tackle on this pod. But like it, it does get, I mean, we could see a scenario where the Steelers are just like, no, Dan Moore's our left side guy. Broderick Jones, our right side guy, we'll sign some swing tackle. We're not even going to draft tackle at all. Like we're going to wait until next year to draft tackle, another tackle. Uh, that's a possibility, but it doesn't feel like as likely, I guess. Well, Dan Moore's also in a contract year, so you'd be thinking ahead to the future if you made this move, even if you didn't see whoever you drafted as a starter right away, um, which is typically – which is probably how they like to do it, given how Broderick Jones started last year. They probably – and if Chukes doesn't have his blow up, maybe Broderick doesn't play at all last year, to be honest. And so – We'll see how they treat it this offseason. Would not surprise me at all if they take a tackle early in the draft. That guy doesn't start. Broderick Jones is still on the right side. Uh, Dan Moore is still on the left side. Dan Moore leaves. Broderick Jones just missed two valuable seasons. He could have been training at the side that he's going to now move to. You disrupt the rhythms and patterns in which – I mean, it's It's bad management and bad coaching if that happens. It doesn't mean it's impossible for Broderick to make those moves. It just makes life a lot harder. And anybody who coaches O-line uh, will tell you. Anybody who trains O-line will tell you uh, the difficulties of, of making those kinds of moves. So hopefully the messaging from Omar Khan is not as confused as it sounds like he is right now about what's best to do because what's best to do is for Broderick Jones to play on his side, for Dan Morty to learn right tackle, become a swing tackle for his last year, or and for you to draft or sign a right tackle. Like to me, that's a clear path forward. And the fact that you would sacrifice that plan, which you've literally just admitted is best. Broderick Jones going to the left side is best. He's literally admitted that's what's our plan is, that's what's going to happen. The fact that you would sacrifice a valuable year of that plan because of Dan freaking more 
is borderline unbelievable to me. I can't believe that there would be that incompetent in a new year to look at their team and be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to do this again. Like, that would be crazy to me. Yeah, it's like I think I was trying to say earlier that I didn't couldn't get the words for it. It's like it's one thing if it's like, I don't know, Alejandro Villanueva had like a year or two left. I'm like, that's why you did it. Like, that's the thing that I struggle with. It's like you're doing it because Dan Moore Jr. is on the roster. Like, and like you said, actually, honestly, him learning right tackle is meaningful because then you can say, okay, we're signing this guy to, uh, you know, Zach Banner extension because he can be a swing and be a piece in this roster. But if you don't see that, then you don't know that he can do that. Um, and yeah, this draft class, they should draft a tackle. You know, maybe not right away, but, you know, third, fourth round, there's a prospect you like there. Um, yeah. even, maybe, maybe even second round. Like, there's a lot of tackles. I need to keep watching them. I am watching them right now. Um, and I guess I need to watch them with, with Arthur Smith in mind, but yeah, it's, it's, it's perceived as a very, very good class, a deep class. I think at 52, you'll have guys like Jordan Morgan and Patrick Paul. Those guys might be guards, but, um, you know, a bunch of names that have had buzz throughout the process. Yeah. I think it would make a lot of sense. If I had to guess right now, I'd say they'd probably take a tackle or a corner in, in the first round, if I was going to guess between okay. the top two positions, like I got yeah, I don't see a safety being there. I don't see linebacker that early in the draft. I mean, wide receivers, they tend to go later for the Steelers anyway. Um, I don't think they're going to draft that other position. So, yeah, I think it would be one of those two positions. It was the same thing last year. I thought it was Christian Gonzalez or Broderick Jones. I wanted Gonzalez. They took Jones, and you know, we'll see what what the future holds. But that, I think, will be another conversation this year. Like, it's a loaded tackle class. They're all going to go early because that's how it, it happens when tackles classes are early. I, uh, by the way, other people are saying it's a loaded class. I have not even started watching the tackles yet, so I can't comment on that just yet. Um, but that's the projection right now is that a bunch will go early. And if that happens, yeah, I think Steelers will be in on it early and then try to go linebacker wide out or linebacker corner later in the draft, depending on what they do in free agency. There's no way they can't add to the secondary in free agency, and they know that, which is why I think some of these other positions are going to have to wait for the draft and tackle could be one of those positions, but they just have to add two or three pieces in free agency to their secondary right now, because there's hardly anybody there that can play and that because they need starting level talent so bad, and you can't draft three rookies and expect them to start this year for that defense. So that's the position they almost have to be corner and safety, almost the positions they have to be aggressive in free agency to go out and, and, and get somebody, but not next good. Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. Yeah, next week, we will jump to looking at linebackers, uh, and we'll take a look at the free agent group. We'll talk about them, and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the top prospects. We're going to try and get our eyes on some of those this weekend and get a feel for what the linebacker class looks like. I know it's not heralded a ton, but it does seem like the buzz for some of these guys like Colson and Cooper is picking up a little bit um, to where we recognize them perhaps as clear second-round type picks, sort of how, how what happened last year with the class as well. Although the early returns on last year's linebacker class are not too, not too good. Not great. No, not great. I'm back here at safety, man. Two years in a row now. We are just. And oh. I think this safety class, man, I was watching, we can get it a little bit too later on. Like, I don't know. Even the ones that people like, I don't like. <laughs> yeah, really? I haven't even taken a look yet, but I, it's one of those where people are like, oh, I like this guy. And it's like, well, he played just in the slot. So you're projecting to play safety in the NFL. It's like, how do you... So yeah, those, those parts are always a little bit challenging, but we'll be at, back at it next week to talk about some of those potential fits with this current roster. Until then, appreciate you all. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Yins No Ball podcast.